1: As hard as this year is for each one of us, our suburban young people's studies, our classes are certainly going to help each one of us in this year to come. As in these classes you look at those men and women who influence this young teenager who's only just 15, 16, 17 years old. This teenager young people who's going to feel the ups and he's going to feel the downs. He's going to feel those moments when he's, he's like he's standing on the top of the world and then that world slips, young people. He's going to slide into the depths deep, deep, deep down as he's disappointed greatly in what happens in his life. And this carefree teenager who we are introduced to, whose job was just to look after a few family sheep out there in, in the back blocks there in Bethlehem, a simple job, yet he so loved it. And in his, family, in his family's eyes, young people, David never really was more than just a simple shepherd boy. But in God's eyes... He was to be Israel's next and Israel's greatest king. But it's not going to be an easy road for that teenager, as all of us know. And his golden life is going to catapult right up into the spotlight from the moment that Samuel pours this golden oil over his head. And his popularity is going to shoot even higher and higher, young people. As a chapter later, he stands before the nation as the giant slayer whose bravery and whose courage became the focus and the themes of so many songs where they sang, David is slain his ten thousands of the Philistines. And that golden life was going to propel even higher and higher. But it wasn't long before Saul grabs a javelin and he lets it fly and flings it just past David's ear and thud into the wall behind him. And that golden life instantly plummeted to the depths of despair. And those peaceful, carefree days of mining the sheep were like ancient history to this young teenager. And his life, like our lives, changed overnight. And we're gonna find in these series, we're gonna see that he's on the run, young people. He's fleeing for his life. He's chased all over the country. He's gone up to the north, down to the south, he's gone round and he's gone round and he's gone round until he's chased out of the country by Saul, out of the country that he loves so greatly. Because he was in absolute fear for his life. And nothing for him felt solid. Nothing felt safe. Nothing felt secure. And his whole life was turned upside down and inside out. And all the highs and the lows that David's God provided him during those periods with friends. Friends that would help him. And he also got allowed foes. Both who would come into David's life. Friends who would support him. And shape him even more to be to be that man after God's own heart. And foes who God allowed to come into his life that would only strengthen him in his trust in his God. So there were those who helped him, as you'll see, and there are those who hindered him. And tonight we're to consider one such friend of David, as Sam has said, we're going to be considering the man Samuel, who would be. He would be one who provided some of the greatest support that David could and would lean upon heavily during his life. Samuel would be, when David's life was shaking all around him, Samuel was the aged man to whom David would run to, and he would confidently provide him with a sense of safety, and a sense of security, and a sense of stability, and a sense of belief, and a sense of trust. And when David's life, young people, was all in turmoil, when he was in a panic and agitation in fear for his life, as we said, He runs and he escapes to this man, Samuel, straight to the aged man who would calm him and put his arm around the young David and he'd speak to his troubled heart and he'd provide, as we said, David with so much comfort, so much support and so much assurance because the aged Samuel, young people, he he knew the importance of de-escalating the present problems that David was facing from all those troubles that were going round and round about him and to focus David's eyes on the future on a positive picture on a purpose that David had on a position that he would eventually hold and on a promise that was made to him so important was this old man to David that he became the mentor an assuring and comforting father he became a spiritual leader and for David he became a guiding light who shaped this teenager into becoming as we said Israel's greatest king So young people, do you, do you have a mentor? Do you have someone who you can confide in and someone that you can trust completely? Perhaps someone who's a little bit older than you, perhaps someone who's seen a little bit more of life and who can provide you with that experience, that understanding and that wisdom. Do you have someone that you can run to when life is difficult? When times are tough, when decisions are cloudy and when the situation that you are facing is uncertain, have you got someone who you can go to when everything around you seems so unstable and everything you trusted on, it feels as if someone's pulled the rug out from underneath your feet and you're left there floundering? Do you, young people, have a mentor? As a David, had a Samuel. As a Joshua, had a Moses. Like a Ruth who had a Naomi or an Esther who had a Mordecai or an Elisha who had an Elijah or a Nehemiah who had an Ezra or a Hezekiah who had an Isaiah or a Mary who had an Elizabeth or a Timothy who who had a Paul. A mentor young people for each one of us is someone who is much more than they just give us advice on life in general, important as that is. But a mentor you're looking for is someone like a Samuel who can provide spiritual direction, can provide perspective, can support you and be like a guiding light for you. Someone that you can go to with those difficult questions and someone who's also prepared perhaps to give you the straight and unexpected answers. Someone who can help us all give direction and support, assist and and guide. That's what we're going to see Samuel was to David. But what made Samuel the man what made him the mentor what made him the master of the moment as far as David was concerned well that young people is what we want to explore tonight we're going to have to go back in Samuel's life and we're going to discover some of the key characteristics in Samuel's early life those godly characteristics that made him the ideal mentor for David so um Perhaps a, a question we could just quickly run uh, run by you tonight now. What do you think perhaps could have been some of the key characteristics that Samuel demonstrated throughout his whole life? Does anyone want to be brave enough to yell out what they think could be some of the key or one of the key characteristics? I know there are a lot of amazing qualities that come to mind. When you, th- but what, what do you think about could be the key principle that governs Samuel's life which in turn was going to become the key principle that would govern David's life. Any clues? Any ideas? It's a quality that Samuel rubbed off onto David I love that one. Who said that? What's Judah Excellent. You're going to see in the life of Samuel a consistent life from the moment of his birth right through to the moment of his death consistency. Excellent one Not the one I'm thinking of, Judah. What about someone on this side? A bit of a clue is it's found around about four times in that short reading that uh, was read for us tonight. Let's just have a quick look. This is the one principle. The one principle that becomes the support, the anchor, the foundation principle in, in Samuel's life. And it's prayer. You see it there in verse 17? I will call upon Yahweh. Colour that one in. It's in verse 18. Samuel called upon Yahweh. It's in verse 19. Pray, they ask. Pray, Samuel. Please pray. And it's in verse 23 when he says, It would be a sin if I ceased in praying for you. Samuel in the record, in his life, is consistent, as Judah said, conversing with God. From the moment that little boy appeared in the record in the temple, on that night when he heard the voice, Samuel, the conversation began between God and Samuel. And remember the reply, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And hearing and conversation are key principles in the life of Samuel. And from that moment on, way back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, from that moment on, every incident in the record where Samuel is involved, every incident, there's also seen prayer and communication with God included. Now, the description of this relationship and this communication between God and Samuel is beautifully described as speaking... Into the ear. Speaking into the ear. Just turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 8. And here's the first expression here. In 1 Samuel chapter 8 verse 21. Samuel heard all the words of the people. And look at this. He rehearsed them in the ears of Yahweh. Just turn over now to chapter 9 verse 15. Just turn over one page. Now Yahweh had told Samuel in his ear. What a beautiful way to describe the communication between God and between Samuel. Now here's a question. Has anyone ever seen somebody speaking into somebody else's ear? Nobody. There must be one person. Oh, how brave are you? What's your name? Laurie. Now, Laurie, what did you observe you saw somebody speaking into somebody else's ear? I can't hear, Laurie. You said, what was that? Lovely. Excellent. They get very, very close. Yep, that that is so true. Thank you, Laurie. Thanks for sharing that thought with us. But you know what it's like. It's like a relationship is very, very close, as Laurie has observed, and they get very close when a message is spoken into somebody's ear. And that other person who wants to pass it on makes to make sure that that message is heard clearly. You know, the interesting thing, Laurie, is that we can have ears but do not hear. And eight times in the book of Revelation, the Lord Jesus Christ says, he who has ears to hear, finish it off for me, Laurie. Exactly right. Eight times. And this is an interesting one which the Lord says in Luke chapter 9, verse 44. What's that one, Laurie? Gotcha. It says this. (laughs) The Lord says this. Let these sayings, now think about this. Sink down into your ears. Sink down. Down into your ear, says the Lord Jesus Christ. And can you just picture that moment as God Almighty there is whispering into the ear of Samuel and Samuel again is replying back into the ears of God. Do you speak carefully and thoughtfully and closely right into the ears of God? Do you allow God to speak right into your ears so the words sink down deeply to make sure that nothing is missed well Samuel did young people and, and it's interesting as well because his name actually beautifully describes the hearing and the listening to God so the name Samuel is from the Hebrew word Shema which means to hear and God or ail is strength so Samuel's name means God hears or heard of God and that's a beautiful quality and characteristic that we're going to see that Samuel rubbed off onto the life of David, as we know. Because David is a man who is well. He's known for the psalms of prayer and praise, as he gave that to his God. So prayer is a consistent characteristic that the young man Samuel observed and he learnt from his mother. And even before Samuel was even born, earlier in the record, the story was told. Just turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I know you'll all remember this story. It's regarding the anguish of Hannah, isn't it? And she's there in the temple and she's being observed by Eli. And she bows down in the temple, young people. And there's this stream of tears that it says in verse 10 that flow down her, her face. And as she's mouthing there a silent prayer and all that was seen and heard by God in heaven. She was a mother of prayer. You want to highlight in verse 10, she prayed. You want to highlight in verse 12, she continued to pray. You want to highlight in verse 26, she's a woman of prayer. You want to highlight in verse 7, she prays. You want to highlight in chapter 2, verse 1, she prays. And among the first things that Samuel's mum would have taught young Samuel was the importance of patience in prayer and persistence in prayer. Patience and persistence. And she would have told the young Samuel how for years she prayed for a son. And for years she felt that her prayers were unanswered. And it led her in Samuel chapter 1 to this this bitterness of soul. But she persisted in prayer, young people. And a miracle occurred and Samuel was born and a mentor for David years down the track was to be provided. Do we ever give up when we think our prayers are unanswered? Well, Samuel's mum... Hannah never did. She was was patient and she was persistent. In fact, an interesting one also, just very, very quickly, is in the New Testament. Does anyone know someone else who prayed for a little son? Laurie? Did I hear you say Zacchaeus? Well, it's not Zacchaeus. It's Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were a couple well stricken in years. And no doubt they prayed for a son. But as the years went by, There was no son. This is what it says in Luke 1, verse 13. As Zacharias was praying in the temple, and an angel appeared to him and said this, Fear not, Zacharias, your prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall have a son. Do you know they were well stricken in years, and still Zacharias is still praying, and their prayer is answered, and they had a son. That's patience and persistence in prayer. So back to our story with Samuel. Prayer, as I said, is the key characteristic of Hannah's life, of Samuel's life and also of David's life. And it must be, young people, it must be a key characteristic of each one of our lives. And Samuel goes down in the record as being the greatest intercessor with only one other man in scripture. Samuel is known for a man of prayer and is alongside the great leader, the great lawgiver Moses. And here's a couple of quotes that show... Look, Jeremiah, Yahweh says to Jeremiah, even if Moses, the great man Moses, and the man Samuel, a man of prayer, stood before me, even those two great men of prayer couldn't change my mind. And the psalmist David writes, Moses, Aaron, among his priests, and Samuel were among those that called upon his name. They called upon Yahweh, and Yahweh answered them. So not only was Samuel a man of prayer and communication that was a governing quality in Samuel's life, but as we've seen and demonstrated, it was taught to him by his mother. But we want to look at some further qualities <clears throat> that Samuel had which developed in him and provided him with more ability to become that mentor and that influencer in David's life because what Samuel went through, the life lessons that he went through, the life lessons that he learned in his youth, we're going to see is very, very similar to what David also went through in his youth. But first, there's just another lesson I want to remind you of. We're going to see in Samuel's life that there's this link in something that was similar to what occurred also in the life, the early life of the Lord Jesus Christ. You would know that with our Lord, there was one incident in the record when he was 12 years old where he too went up, his mum and dad took him to the temple for the very first time. And you remember when they discovered him in the temple, he turned to his mum and he said, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Now this is interesting. Because when thinking of that, that also occurred in the life of Samuel. Josephus records that Samuel was also 12 years of age. When Elkanah and Hannah took him up to the temple for the very first time to dedicate him to the service of Yahweh. Now you just think about the courage And the bravery that that young Samuel had leading up to that moment. He knew what his future held. He knew that he was to leave behind all the comforts and the security of the family home. He knew his destiny was to be in the temple of his God to fulfil a vow that his mother had made. But knowing something and doing it is exactly, is, is, is totally different, isn't it? So you imagine, just picture that moment when the day arrived when Elkanah and Hannah and the rest of the family all made that trip down to the temple. What a journey that would have been. And the family all knew that Samuel was not coming home with them, that their life and his life was about to change forever. Imagine the emotions of that moment. Imagine leaving Samuel behind, but he was committed. You're going to see that as a young boy, he was absolutely committed to fulfilling that vow that his dear mother had made. Think about that for a moment, young people. He was fulfilling a vow that his mother made. And he was the one that was going to be outworked, this amazing ability in the obedience. What an example he was. And what a mentor he would become. And there was no showing away from it because even like the Lord Jesus Christ, he too knew his destiny from the age of 12. So, young people, imagine that moment when the time had come and his family was about to leave for home And I want you to picture that moment as as the young Samuel, as he waves goodbye to his parents, and as he watches them in the distance, as they got smaller and smaller and smaller on the horizon, and finally they disappeared over the hill and they were gone. How would he have felt? How would you feel? He was all alone. And the young boy of possibly 12 years of age, he turns around and he makes his way right into the temple to start a new life with this old man Eli and with his cruel, disgusting sons. What courage from a young age is seen in this young boy? What obedience, what determination, what resolute, what strength of character in one so young? So Samuel, young people, <clears throat> Samuel knew from personal experience just how David also would fell when he too had to leave his home at Bethlehem and make his way into the palace of Saul. Samuel knew because he had already experienced that too. But look at what the very first thing recorded of Samuel, the very first actions of Samuel, just like our Lord Jesus Christ. Look what it says in 1 Samuel 2 verse 11. It says there, Elkanah went to Ramah to his house and the child, the very first statement, the child did minister unto Yahweh, Before Eli the priest. Isn't that amazing? Just like the Lord. wished ye not I must be about my father's business. And here Samuel as well. Straight into the ministry for Yahweh his God. Now what's interesting about that verse? It says there in verse 11. And Elkanah went to Ramah. Did you notice that Samuel's mother is not mentioned? We know she was there. Why do you think it just says Elkanah returned back to Ramah? I think it was this. Because now Elkanah was in the sense that he was no longer the father to Samuel because Samuel was now dedicated to God and God becomes the father of this boy. Elkanah the father is left and God was to be Samuel's father. Just like a thousand years later where another boy would come into the temple and say, wist ye not that I must be about my father's business. So back here in 1 Samuel chapter 2, I can just imagine that Hophni and Phineas that they would show no kindness whatever to this young boy Samuel. I'm sure they made life as difficult as they could for the young boy. And especially it would have been heightened every year when his mother brought him that special coat. So as we said, from, from, as we said Samuel from experience would know just how David also is going to feel when he's left the family home at Bethlehem and when he's in the palace of cruel Saul. And the parallels continue because with Samuel there was Hophni and Phinehas breathing down his neck and in the palace there was Saul breathing down David's neck. And Samuel would remember these things as he identified with David on those experiences that he went through. So first 1 Samuel chapter 2, young people, shows the young boy Samuel in contrast to the wicked sons of Eli who had no regard, it says, for Yahweh their God. And it says there in chapter 2 verse 17, in fact they abhorred the offerings of Yahweh. What a fitting picture they were of the nation in general at the time of Samuel. Where every man did that which was right in his own eyes. But look at the experience and look at the spirit and look at the enthusiasm and the respect of this young boy Samuel. You want to highlight these little statements in chapter 2. Highlight in verse 11, Samuel was focused on his God. The child did minister. In verse 18, Samuel ministered unto Yahweh. In verse 21, the child grew before Yahweh. Verse 26, the child grew and was in favour with both Yahweh and men. And you want to put your note in your margin next to that statement. Luke chapter 2 verse 52, which is again repeated of our Lord Jesus Christ. And finally in 1 Samuel chapter 3 verse 1, Samuel ministered before Yahweh. And it says there in chapter 3, verse 1, there was no open vision in those days. And now it's all about to change. And what a change it will be as we're going to see this unquestioned obedience, this amazing reaction from this young boy Samuel. Look what it says. Now, you know this story very well. So just very briefly, I want to show you the obedience of Samuel in his, in his youth. It says there in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3, right at the end of that verse, that Samuel lay down to sleep. We know what's going to happen in this chapter as in verse 4 Yahweh calls to Samuel and the little boy says in verse 5 he ran to Eli. No delay. He ran. He heard the voice and he ran to Eli. Who of you would have experienced when you've just settled down into bed and perhaps mum yells your name? What do you do? Do you sort of snuggle down and lay down? still as a log don't even blink imagine you haven't heard is that what we would do Lurry? he's shaking his head not saying which way but look at samuel he it says he ran to eli and you know young people in this in this chapter here you want to highlight the here am i's of this obedient young boy samuel here am i says in verse 4 here am i runs in verse 5 here am i verse 6 verse 8 Speak, Lord, for thy servant here if he says in verse 10. And then he hears from verse 11 to 14 words that God says is going to make everyone's ear tingle. And Samuel in verse 15, he couldn't sleep for the rest of that night. He lay there until morning, going over and over and over in his mind what the Lord had said to him. And then it comes, young people, to this last one in chapter 3, verse 16, where the difficult one, where Eli calls him, And Samuel says that phrase again, here am I. And it says there in verse 18 that Samuel told him every wit. He hid nothing from Eli and he said unto him, this is what Yahweh said. He told told Eli everything that God had said. He held nothing back. You know, it's not easy to say things, young people, that are hard to utter, especially when you're young. It's even more difficult when it involves someone in the house It's even more difficult when it involves people issues. And it's even more difficult when it's a father and his son. And it's even more difficult to say everything when it involves young people, the person you're speaking to, and they are the cause of the problem. And it's even more difficult when it finishes at the end of verse 12 with the phrase, the end. And Samuel, from a young age, demonstrated commitment, integrity, and the ability to deliver the words of Yahweh, whether painful or whether pleasant. And the the chapter concludes in verse 19 where Samuel grew and Yahweh was with him. And look at this statement, young people. Here's the character of Samuel. He let none of God's words fall to the ground. Samuel held God's words as precious. Not one word of God would slip through Samuel's fingers. That's how he felt when he heard God's words. Is that, young people, how we feel when we read or when we hear the Word of God that it is so precious that we don't want any of it to fall through our hands. So where have we we come so far, young people, in the early life of Samuel? We've seen that Samuel from a child, he was consistent in prayer. He was a boy who was God-focused, God-centred, God-honouring and every statement of God was, was precious. As a young boy he experienced the hardships of leaving home and having a life dedicated to God. He faced difficulties with Hophni and Phinehas. He had moments of decision where he had to face up to Eli with courage, and he was a boy of courage, honesty, and integrity. And look at this: in the development of Samuel, we see very similar circumstances that was also going to face the young boy Daniel of the young boy David in his youth. So that's the early youth of the life of Samuel. Now, young people, I want to move on to that moment in Samuel's life. We want to look at. We want to open the curtain and peer into now those moments where the great prophet and the young teenager, the shepherd, would come face to face in the record. Those one-on-one moments where Samuel and David stood in the same room together. So let's have a look at these moments, young people, and let's picture, let's feel the emotion and, and discover the lessons that they leave in the record. Now, just a quick one. Does anyone know how many verses there are that have David and Samuel in the same verse does anyone know in scripture we're going to fall back on you Laurie if no one puts their hand up how many chapters then does this include with Samuel and David so in the same verse how many verses and how many chapters does anybody know it's interesting Five. Ooh, very close Was that it was a good guess very good guess Laurie we're coming to you mate exactly right I heard him put the fingers up seven Only seven verses where David and Samuel are together. And that equates, young people, as you're going to see, to five, love that from you, five chapters. Let's have a look at these. The first one, of course, and we'll just go very briefly with these, but the first one, the first occurrence where they meet is 1 Samuel chapter 16. So I want you to turn there. This is the moment in history. It's the day, young people, where David nearly didn't show up. He wasn't originally invited. He was left off the list. He didn't get the memo, he was still out there in the paddock with the sheep. And you know the story from 1 Samuel chapter 16. But just look at the context from Samuel's perspective. How was Samuel feeling on this day? Well, 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 35, look what it says. Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. How keenly and how personally Samuel felt with the rejection of Saul. And again, it repeats it. Notice the feelings in verse 1 of chapter 16. Yahweh says unto Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? You see, Samuel, young people, he felt that situation personally. He was the one who had yielded to the nation's demands and had appointed their king Saul. And how he had longed for a different outcome in the life of Saul. But Saul was different to Samuel, wasn't he? Samuel, as we said, found God's words so precious he wouldn't let one fall to the ground. Well, Saul was different. God's words weren't precious for him. And Saul was more concerned in how he looked in front of the people. Saul had so much promise and Samuel had provided with so much counsel and direction and guidance and support, but it was all to no avail. But still, Samuel demonstrates this amazing, caring, emotional moment where he's sorrowing because Saul has been rejected from king. What a man, full of emotion, full of love, full of kindness, full of care. Just so much so, just turn back to 1 Samuel 15 verse 11. Here it says, Yahweh says to Samuel, 1 Samuel 15 verse 11, It repenteth me that I have set Saul to be king, for he's turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And watch these words, young people. It grieved Samuel. And he cried unto Yahweh all night long. Just like that night when he was a little boy in the temple, young people, and he could not sleep all night long because of the words that he heard. Here again, all night in prayer. And it reminds us, doesn't it, of our Lord Jesus Christ with strong crying and tears. Do we, young people, do we sorrow when one of our young friends One of our suburban friends heads down a different path. Samuel did. He cried all night long. And these qualities we're going to see, you're going to see rubs off on this young man David. So let's have a look at this first a moment in 1 Samuel 16. And look what it says at the end of verse verse 1. I have provided me a king, says God to Samuel. Hey, just grab your pencils and put a quick note in your margin. Genesis 28 verse 2 where God says to, well, Abraham says to, uh, to Isaac, God has provided, or God will provide a lamb. Genesis 22 verse 8. And also write, Hebrews 11 verse 40, God's provided some better thing for us. So first, of Samuel 16, the moments arrive, young people. Picture that scene where Samuel, for the first time, is going to lay his eyes on the man after God's own heart. And this was the day when Samuel would be introduced to the young shepherd, the son of Jesse, the future king of Israel. Yet even the fearless and emotional Samuel felt uneasy on that day. Just have a look what it says in verse 2. Samuel says, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. If Saul hears and the fear of Samuel in that moment, Saul will kill him. But God says, go. Go. And Samuel the prophet in verse 4, he arrives in Bethlehem and all the elders of Bethlehem come out and are trembling when they hear that the great man Samuel had arrived. And there he was as he was clad in in his mantle and his white hair was perhaps flowing over his shoulders and he was driving a heifer before them. And as Samuel walked into town, young people, it was with awe and respect as the elders watched. And even on this day, Samuel himself was going to be taught a lesson from God. And look what he says as he knocks on the door and he appears on the family doorstep and he requests for Jesse that all his sons be brought up to line before this man, the prophet. And verse six, it says, and it came to pass when they came out that he looked, Samuel looked on Eliab and he said, surely this is the one. And out struts Eliab. And he had all the makings of a king, thought Samuel, as he looked upon him. Surely this is Yahweh's anointed, the tallest of the sons of Jesse. Very impressive. And Eliab, if you haven't got a note, his name means, Ale is my father. Strength. He is a man of strength. He looked just like a king. And God speaks into Samuel's ear once again. And he says in verse 7, I have refused this one. And then in verse 8, Jesse calls the next son abinadab and he walks by and perhaps samuel looks at him and thinks i wonder if this is the one abinadab's name means father of generosity he would have made an awesome king but god says at the end of verse eight he's not this one and then in verse nine jesse made Shema to pass by his name means a ruler of consternation or fame he would have made an awesome king but he was not the one that god had chosen And again Jesse made the seven sons in verse 10 and Yahweh at the end of verse 10 says I have not chosen them. And there's a deathly silence and there's a puzzled look by the prophet as he looks and he says and he turns to Jesse and he says are there any other children? And there was young people because on that day the youngest had been totally overlooked. His dad Jesse hadn't even bothered to call him in from the field. And David really, in his family's eyes, was a nobody that nobody would even notice. Oh, says Jesse in verse 11, he's out there keeping the sheep. You know, put a note in your margin, remember Saul, he lost his father's asses. And he says there, Jesse says there, that he's the youngest. Do you know that word youngest means he's the least? He's a little one, says the Septuagint. He's the runt of the family. You know when you go and you see a dog and all their puppies and there's one there on the side and nobody chooses that one? This is the man that God had chosen, the man after God's own heart. And the great man Samuel, as we know, he demands to see this nobody. And in fact, he wouldn't even sit down, he says, until David comes hither. And verse 12, we see there the words as God as he whispers it in Samuel's ear, at the end of verse 12, arise and anoint him for this is he. Could you imagine that moment, young people, as Samuel now, as he looks into the eyes of the young boy who he knows is going to be the next king of Israel. And there in front of all of his family, in front of the elders of the town, David is there standing there in the midst. There's his mum, there's his dad, there's his older brothers and his sisters. And the great prophet reaches into his bag and he pulls out a horn and he pours the oil over that young boy's head. And no doubt about it, young people, he would have leant over and he would have whispered in David's ear, May God bless you, dear boy. You are the beloved of Yahweh. You will rise to great things for your people. And then the record says, Samuel rose up and he went. He was gone. That was it. Whether there were any further discussions that occurred on that day, it's not recorded. But David, like Mary, young people, would have pondered those things within his heart. And this was going to be the start of an amazing friendship between the teenager and and between the ancient old prophet. A connection and a bond and a relationship that would now become forged between them both and would continue to grow and develop. And Samuel was gonna have a huge influence on this young man's life. And for David, the peace of life in the paddocks was now about to end, and end it did. And the peace that David loved was shattered. And that brings us young people to the very next moment, the very next verse, where David and Samuel meet again. And it's in 1 Samuel chapter 19. So just turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 19. And there's three verses here in the record that have David and Samuel together in the same verse. In verse 9. Picture this moment, young people. 1 Samuel 19 verse 9. And the evil spirit from Yahweh was upon Saul as he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand and David played with his hand. Can you imagine that? Picture the scene. There's Saul. He's sitting in his chair. There's someone trying to fan him, trying to cool him down, trying to keep him calm. And just a few metres away, there's David. And he's playing a soothing song, a relaxing, a a tranquil tune. As his fingers, can you imagine, as they glide over the harp. And then all of a sudden, in that verse, another hand lunges out and grabs a javelin. And with a full strength, he flings it right at that young man, David. And it sails again past his ear. Thuds into the wall. Do you know, young people, this is the third time that Saul's thrown a javelin at young David. This is the third time. You may want to put a note in your margin. First to Samuel 18, verse 11. Twice before, and here's the third time. Now look at the words that it's described as David now flees for his life in 1 Samuel chapter 19. You want to just put it on the screen there. You want to colour these words in verse 10, 12, 17 and 18. So they jump out of the record at you when you read this next time. Look what it says in verse 10. He slipped away. He fled. He escaped that night. Verse 12. He went. He fled. He escaped Verse 17, he escaped. Verse 18, he fled, he escaped. He ran for his life, young people, because that guy sitting in the palace was a crazy man with javelins thrown straight at this young man, David. So crazy was Saul that look what he says in verse 14. Saul sent messengers to take David and they sent a messenger back saying he's sick, he's in his bed. And Saul in verse 15 says, I don't care if David's sick, bring the bed. I want to stick my knife right through his heart. David had to flee young people that night. Where would he go? Where would he go? He'd just go as fast as he can, as far as he can. And he does that, young people. It says there in verse 18, David fled and he runs and he runs and he runs and he runs all the way to Samuel, from Gibeah, all the way, young people, as it says there in verse 18 to Ramah. Do you know how far that is? How far David ran on that night from Gibeah all the way to Ramah? It's the distance from this hall to the McDonald's that most of you go to supper at. He ran two kilometres. He was in fear of his life, but he knew where to run and who to run to. And even though it was only two kilometres away, you know, if that was me, young people, I'd, I'd run. I'd run to Alaska to get away from Saul. But David ran to Samuel because he felt safe under the control under the influence and under the sport and help of Samuel. And we know that Saul had no concerns with murdering priests because later in chapter 22, he's going to butcher 85 priests. Even Samuel's life was in danger. Nothing would stop Saul. Not even Samuel could stop him. But there was something Samuel could do for David and that was to calm David to provide David with a vision of why he had been anointed. And perhaps take that time to explain to David what that previous anointment was all about. And the end of verse 18, young people, in 1 Samuel 19, has the picture there of Samuel with his arm around the shaking David as together they head off to Naoth. And that's where they had some very interesting discussions together. In fact, young people, that brings us, we won't turn to this one, but that brings us to the third occurrence where David and Samuel were in the same verse. And that's in First Chronicles 9 verse 22. Because in that verse it tells us what David and Samuel discussed while he was there. Saul and David planned the roles and the duties for the future king when David would be king. First Chronicles 9 verse 22 says these were chosen. There's a whole list of people who David and Samuel chose to fulfil the roles and the duty of the temple worship when David was to be king. That's the influence that Samuel had. He took David away from looking at the present to look to the future and to see what life is going to be like as a king. You know, young people, the next occurrence is the saddest one between David and Samuel. Just turn to it in 1 Samuel chapter 25. We'll be very, very quick with this one. Because here, young people, is the next occurrence, the fourth occurrence of that phrase where David and Samuel are in the same verse. And look how verse 1 opens. The saddest moment. 1 Samuel 25 verse 1. And Samuel died. And you notice in my Bible, and I'm sure it's the same in yours, there's a big semicolon there right at the start of this sentence. Most unusual in scripture. But the reason it's there for, young people, is it gives us a moment to pause and to ponder and to take a deep breath and think about the ramifications of the death of Samuel. And the death of Samuel came at the worst time for the young man, David. And this chapter here, not that we're going to go into any detail in this chapter here, but in this chapter here, David does something way out of character. As he grabs his sword and he says to his 400 men, we're going to go down, we're going to slit the throats. Slit the throats of Nabal because he didn't want to provide us with some food. Something way out of character. Why was that? Because, verse 1, Samuel had died. And it takes an Abigail in this chapter to stop David in his tracks and to again remind him of the future and of the promise and of the hope that that young man David had as to be king. So that brings us now to the fifth chapter, the last occurrence of the name David and Samuel together. Does anyone know what the fifth and final occurrence could be? Hebrews chapter 11, thank you very much. The final occurrence. We won't turn to that, but we know because time has gone, but we know there that Paul in that chapter of faith, he brings these two great characters together and he says these words there, he says, what more could I say?" say? And he says, time would fail me to tell and I can see that my time is out as well so we can't go into too much detail of all that happened with Samuel and with David. What more can we say? What a great mentor Samuel was. What a great example he was. What a faithful friend he was. What a calming influence he had. What an inspiring influence in the life of David that Samuel really had. And soon, young people, soon and very soon, these two are going to stand side by side together in the presence of one greater than David, the Lord Jesus Christ. And each one of us, we pray, will be there to witness that wonderful moment.